Hello and welcome to another episode of the Flatback 3. I am joined by my two co-hosts, George Turner in his dressing gown and Alistair. Oh, look at me, I'm a hard nut jumper man, Blackwell. <laughs> How are we, gents? Are we well? Are we well? Yep, we're well. Well, I'm well. Well, I'm not well, but... You're ill, but I'm... we don't care about that. Other than that, are you well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, George, George, are you yeah. well? I'm well. I'm sat in my conservatory at the moment, which is a bit chilly out here, hence the dressing gown. But apart from that, I am well. Yeah. Well, well, um, well, 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 well. Let's well. talk World Cup. Let's do it. I mean, where do we start? There are loads of things we can talk about. Should we start with England? Yeah. 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 I'm, still, I'm still not convinced. How did you guys no, think? The... Huh? I know you're not. We haven't played a good team yet. Your, comment, your message the other day, I hope we get smashed by France. I was like, what are you on about? Because it's the same as the Wales thing. I had such a problem with Wales because they thought they were better than they are. And now England are starting to do it. It's starting to annoy me. We've played Iran, the USA, Wales and Senegal. Yeah, I know. Uh, you can only play what's in front of you. You can only play what's in front of you, but that's why we shouldn't get too hyped up because what's been in front of us has been shit. Yeah. Well, Senegal was a bit of a challenge. You got to bear in mind Senegal um, done well in their group. <laughs> Senegal did well in their group. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think so. Don't Some think I, don't know. I, I think the pundits. Don't Don't think that we won't answer back to you just because you're in your hard nut jumper. (laughs) We've got some balls. (laughs) Oh, look at me. I mean, they they kept Holland at bay until the last 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah, but... Holland looking good. Mm. I'm I'm not convinced. I mean... Just turn Brazilian, Toby, and just fuck off. (laughs) No, I don't want to be Brazilian. I want to be Moroccan. Well, um, tough because they're not going to win it. <laughs> well, you never know after today. Well, you could say that about England, couldn't you? But you're not saying that. No. About yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, England could feasibly win it. That's yeah. You know, realistically, if they get past France, it's an easier World Cup. Is it with France? Right, with France? Know. With France out of it, it's an easier World Cup to win because then it's just Brazil, really, that you've got yeah. to focus on. But um, yeah. yeah, England beat Senegal three 0 on Sunday night. Um, comfortable victory Jude Bellingham looks like one of the best midfielders in the world again I mean that's not a surprise to anyone he was absolutely sensational and Jordan Henderson looked like a really good midfielder like whisper it and pass it on Jordan Henderson's good at football but for some reason no one likes him Um, (laughs) but yeah I mean England looked very very accomplished Mm. obviously Senegal had a few chances but what what were your main thoughts coming out of it? I um, I think uh, like we all, you know, we took what about 15 20 minutes to get into the game. We still had a few moments where, you know, start with the negatives, like we still had a few moments where we were, we were probably like Senegal was, I'd say, which makes sense logically, but the next step up, like we had Wales, we had Iran and US, and they were good teams, but like Senegal offered a bit more of a, a tiny bit more of an attacking threat, probably. Um, and and but it was like they exposed the defense just a couple times, and it was a bit of a wake up call in terms of like two center halves just ran straight through, and um and I think 
that was something which we got lucky not to concede a couple in that respect. Um, if it was a team like France who'd done that, they're, they're probably going to score. So Yeah, they'll take chances that Senegal missed. Yeah, so so I think with that in mind, like it's something which we don't want to... Um, we want to be aware of and we don't want to do the same mistakes. So it's good it happened then and we got off lucky. <laughs> and then after that, the 20 minutes or so in, in the first half, I think we kind of got into our stride. We kind of played a possession game, um, controlled the game pretty well. And then we, I think we'd done exactly the same in that game, pretty much than the uh, the Wales game. Like we just we just dragged the team down and then really kind of, just uh, hit them like quite, you know, in the second half and that, and um, and it, yeah, three 0 obviously win, good, good win. Got Kane on the score sheet, which was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, just attacking wise, I think we we can't go too wrong. It's just controlling the game and uh, managing the game early on, and then throughout it as well, um, which is going to be like I don't think we've gone behind again in this World Cup. So coming from behind again, how are we going to react to mm. a team like France who are more likely to score um an opener? And it's like, yeah. right, what how do we how do we go from there? Um so I think obviously the biggest challenges are to come, but um we're in it and you gotta beat the bigger teams. So there yeah. you go. Yeah the test is to come. I mean France beat Poland three one. I think Nobody. I, don't, I honestly don't know anybody that thought Poland had a single chance in that game. Um, they scored a penalty in the 99th <laughs> minute um, just to give themselves some credit. But you know, Poland were absolutely dreadful in their group, got through a, a really poor group in terms of standard. And then I thought it'd be more against France. But, you know, George, we play France on Saturday night. It's a... Uh, it's the big one. It's the biggest one so far. And it's the biggest game in probably Gareth Southgate's World Cup career, just because mm-hmm. there's now expectation on England. But what did you think against Senegal? Yeah, um, I would have to slightly disagree with, with Alistair in the fact that I feel that Senegal was a bigger test than what we faced before. Not just Alistair, but I also think the pundits before the game were really big enough Senegal for bigger than than what they have to offer i understand obviously they're the african champions and they're missing Mane, obviously um but i just looked at that team and i thought i don't think this is going to be a massive test for england and in previous tournaments where you know oh you, you still have flashbacks to iceland in 2016 and then you've got flashbacks to algeria back in 2010 i feel like we're past that now i feel as that i feel confident going into these type of games um Colombia was a really hard one back in 2018 but we got through it and we beat them so I went into this game thinking no I think we're going to win 2-0 and you know it was a comfortable game I think we controlled the game well see Senegal did have some chances um but yeah at half time I thought I can't see Senegal getting back into this and within 10 minutes we looked fully in control and um yeah I'm I'm Quietly optimistic for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think, do like, do you honestly believe that we will not? Do you think we can? But do you think we will beat France on Saturday night, or do you think that France is a hurdle too high? I think we'll be better prepared 
than previous tournaments. And funnily enough, I think that's because of one of the reasons, because of the Nations League. Because we've been playing teams of a higher standard in our friendlies and international fixtures, I think we're better equipped to play a team of a higher standard, like playing the likes of a Germany, a Hungary. I mean, albeit we did lose pretty much every game of that I was nation. I going to say, yeah, it prepared us for practice. defeat. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, like, I mean, I look at that France squad. I mean, my whole assessment of the World Cup so far, I, I think beforehand I said Brazil were my clear favourites, were one of my favourites. But I don't think there's a team out there who's playing amazingly well. I, I think every team has its flaws. So I look at France and I think Mbappe, wow, amazing individual talent. Uh, I think the French defence, they're not as good as previous squads. And I think they can get up, they can, if we can get our attacking players on their defence, I think we've got a chance. Yeah, I Alistair mean, is bursting into Alistair, tears because uh, Alistair's so upset that we're going to lose to France that he started to cry. Yeah. Um, and he's just clearing his nose out from all the tears and snot. The, um, yeah, I think that France will beat us on Saturday, and I think they've just got more quality than we can deal with in certain areas. Like everyone's talking, like Rio Ferdinand saying that um, Kyle Walker's the only defender in the world who can deal with Kylian Mbappe. And it's like, well, how do you know that? Because what? Because across the ground, like Kyle Walker's not the best right back in the world. Let's not forget that there are better right backs out there. Kylian Mbappe's the best player in the world at the moment, arguably. And he's hit the ground running in this World Cup. Giroud is absolutely flying. Um, you know, they've got Usman Dembele on the other side, who's like on the ball running at people, probably as good, if not a little bit better one-on-one -on -one than Mbappe is against defenders. And then you look back through the team. I think we've got a better midfield than they have. I would say that, and I, I you know, Oh, I suppose that's another question for in a second, but I believe that we will have a good game against France, but I think they'll have too much quality when it comes down to it. Um, in terms of the team going into this game, do you make any changes from the Senegal game or do you keep it as it is? Because obviously Foden and Rashford missed out on Sunday night. Because who played on the wing? It was Saka and Foden. Well, oh, that's Foden, it. Rash yeah, Sorry, Foden started and Rashford missed out. That was the surprise, wasn't it? Because Rashford obviously yeah. scored two. Um, so, so that's my question. I'm confusing myself with my own words. Um, would you go for Rashford or Foden on the left with Saka on the right, or would you go Foden and Rashford? How do you look at this team? I think it's a difficult one. Like, I think, um, like obviously, in one mind, I can kind of see with a stick into the same team. Um, both Sack and Foden had good games um, and linked up well. And Foden kind of got a bit more confident in terms of like being a bit more expressive on the ball mm. uh, and challenging players, taking players on. But at the same time, I could see um, like maybe Rashford coming in for Foden just because mm. it might offer a bit more pace, and it might be a, it might be a case of this is a game where. It's counter-attacking football. And if yeah. you've got Bappe running on one side and they, yeah, look, like at the end of the day, Mbappe is going to do what Mbappe does. He's going to run at players and he's going to take them on. So we've got to be prepared for that. But also, equally, we're going to need a bit of luck. But like, if we can defend that, use our 
uh, midfielders like Bellingham, perfect example where he can kind of break that play up um, and run forward and give us the counter, um, then a player like Rashford might be quite um, quite important, really, to optimise, mm. like make the most of that counter-attack in play. So where yeah. Foden is not, you know, he's great, but he hasn't got that pace like Rashford. Um, so... It's a it's an interesting one. I don't think it'll change that much, but like I like our midfield. I think that was good with the three. Um, it worked quite well. It's just always, you know, for us, it's always how well are our are our defense going to cope with it. I mean, yeah. I will say that I thought Harry Maguire was okay against Senegal. I feel like there were a few times where he tried to play out and just gave it straight to Senegal's midfield. So, there are, you know, he has to pick his moments and he has to pick them carefully against France because it's going to be, like we said before, give them a chance, they're more likely to take it. They're, well, they're the current world champions and they're full of world-class players. I think I would start Rashford as well because there are two aspects. One of them, you're right, is the pace on the counter-attack. Like Foden's quick and he's nippy, but I think I'd rather have... Rashford running in behind, just especially to start with. The other aspect of it is that France's obviously wingers like Dembele and Mbappe don't track back. Um, and their their lack of defensive nous and like not tracking back so effectively leaves spaces in front of the fullbacks for then Rashford and Saka to get on the ball and run at the defense. Um so, you know, I think that that's the best way to play. I think Harry Kane's going to do the thing he does as well, where he drops in deep to give us like almost a number 10 rather than a striker. And having Rashford, someone who can play through the middle, tucking in, um, will will also be really important. So as much as I love Phil Foden, I think it should be Rashford. But I've also got a terrible feeling. I don't know why, but there's no evidence to suggest this. I've got a terrible feeling he's going to start Calvin Phillips over Henderson. But um, that would really... I don't know why I've just got this feeling that he's so because he's so in love with that pairing of Rice and Phillips that he's going to revert to it in a really big game. But I'm really I, he really shouldn't. Um, but George, what's your perspective? Do you go Rashford? Do you go Foden? Do you change anything else? I don't think I change anything at all from that from that game against Senegal. Um, I was listening to the pundits before the Portugal game, and they were talking about maybe they could change to a back five or you know having. Walker as the third centre back on the right hand side there and bringing in Trippier. I mean, I just, I don't know. Like Ian Wright, you know, he spoke from every uh, England England fan's heart. He was like, we shouldn't be worried about what France have got. We, you know, we should be thinking about what we can do to France. And I, I'm in a similar mindset. We have some amazing attacking talent, and we could on Saturday we could see an ultimate goals fest. We probably won't because I I, I finally uh, acclimatised to England's style of play after all these years with Gareth Southgate. I understand it's not going to be free-flowing. I understand it's not going to be the most attacking style of football. But if it gets the job done, it gets the job done. So, um, no, I, to answer your question, no, I, I wouldn't make any changes. Um, I hope he doesn't bring out Henderson because I feel like, as a, not just as a Liverpool fan, I've always always said this about Henderson. He's he's a leader on the pitch. Um, him yeah. and Rice have done really well, and I, I think you're right, Tobes. I, I hope he's not trying to get Calvin Phillips match fit for that France game because he hasn't played any football all season. So to chuck him in at deep end against France, that would just be suicidal, wouldn't it? 
Oh. It's just this weird feeling I've got. And the last time I had a weird feeling, I was right about it, if you remember. So I just, I'm a bit worried that, um, yeah, I'm a bit worried that he's going to go, right, Phillips in, Henderson out. And it's just going to be like, oh, no. Um, but, you know, I, I'll watch with interest. You know, it's going to be a really interesting game. I think that for me, <clears throat> excuse me, France have been the consistent best team in the tournament so far, despite the Tunisia result. Um, closely followed by Brazil, who had an outstanding game last night. But um, it's going to be the test that England needs, if you think about it, really. Like the um, teams we played in the Nations League are an out of form Italy, an out of form Germany, or like a rebuilding Germany and a, and a Hungary side. Um, this is a flying France and it'll be really interesting to see how we line up but um, yeah I think it's if you can stop service into Mbappe and Dembele because that's the thing everyone's so focused on Mbappe that I feel like if you look to the left and Usman Dembele starts running at you I'd shit myself just as much Um, so they've got to stop that and then they've got Antoine Griezmann dropping into a 10 and distributing left and right so you know, they've got so much quality that I, I think we've got enough quality to deal with them, but I think we've got to be properly on it. And yeah, I don't I I don't want us to get beat, obviously. I was only joking on the WhatsApp the other day, but at the same time, I'm not that hopeful because I think France have got too much for us. I suppose the other thing, just really quickly to add, is um what are your thoughts actually like really on Declan Rice in this tournament? Because for me, he hasn't really done anything and he's getting a lot of plaudits for doing not much. Like he doesn't tend, I haven't really noticed him breaking up play as much and he's not very progressive with possession. He tends to just go backwards and sideways, which is what a lot of people criticise Henderson for, coincidentally, but you don't hear much of it towards Rice. Um, And I, I know that other pundits maybe not on TV as much, but radio pundits have talked about how he's not been so influential and he's been quite disappointing. Stuart Pearce being one of them. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think that it's worth, like, I'm not saying we take him out, but do you think he's as good as people think he is and how much praise he gets? Um, I think I would, I, I haven't looked at the stats, so I wouldn't know everything. So I can kind of comment exactly like, because a lot of, you know, there's a lot of players who are that kind of, that hidden player who you don't see in the game and they do all the dog work and the stuff which breaks up play and everything. And it's like that unsung hero type thing. Um, But one thing I might just say he may offer is he might offer... um, a bit more assurance being in that position for Bellingham, for example, to be more free. So maybe he's not doing that much directly, but indirectly it means that the players who could possibly make the difference like a Bellingham, and he has in a few games, can be more, um, can have that free role and and just go at players. and, And maybe that's what, he's able to offer instead that's the only yeah. thing yeah I mean like I said I wouldn't I absolutely wouldn't take him out it's just yeah. I, I wonder whether he's as good as yeah sure been suggested basically I mean, or whether he yeah. yeah whether he's performed to the level that the yeah. credit he's getting 
yeah um, deserves but it's always always great to have loads of amazing midfielders but say you've got three midfielders who all do the same type of role in midfield it's like that's not necessarily great because even though you've got all that quality, if you've got three midfielders who are all going up high on the pitch and there's no one there to sit back, it's like yeah. exposed and vice versa. So so maybe yeah. it's something like that. Maybe normally with West Ham, he does a different role because he has mm. that role, which maybe Bellingham's being able to like optimise more. Um, I don't know. Like, is, that, is that on your is that on your word of the day toilet paper optimised? Because that's, I think, the third time you've dropped that one today and it's only really? been 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I am doing it subconsciously. I don't even know. So you're just optimizing the word "optimize." I literally am. Optimizing. It's amazing. I love it. Um, <laughs> oh god, here we go. <laughs> I thought you were going to sneeze. Then, yeah, yeah. Rice does a really important job, but I just, yeah. I, again, I wouldn't take him out. I just think that his performances at the World Cup haven't really been anything to write home about, and. Um, I just feel like he gets. I feel like he gets a pass because he's Declan Rice. Do you know? I, I think so many people like him that he can do no wrong. Um, and I'm not calling for him to be like hammered or anything like that. I just feel like there was a uh, there are campaigns for certain players like Henderson and like Maguire and stuff not to play for England because of their form. And then Declan Rice, I don't think he's scored or assisted for West Ham this season. Um, he's not doing much for England either, but. Is by the by, I suppose. George, do you have any extra thoughts on that, mate? Or are you in agreement? Yeah, yeah in agreement yeah. with you both, really. I mean, I suppose leadership um Rice offers a leadership sort of presence on the pitch, being mm. a captain of West Ham. So it adds that sort of experience and mentality, I suppose. Um, having an extra voice, a captain on the pitch. But I know you are right, Tobes. I do think he's gone under the radar in this tournament. Um, but I think that might be partly down to the fact that all the media are, you know, they're drawn to Jude Bellingham and yeah. Phil Foden. You know, they're talking about these two. Uh, every game brings out a different story at the minute. Um, yeah, I don't know, really. Before this podcast, I didn't think Declan Rice was particularly bad. I didn't think he was particularly good. I think he was just doing his job in the middle, as, as Alistair said. I think that, that defensive midfielder role always gets, you know it's never the flashy role, is it? You just basically make a tackle and then pass it sideways or pass it forward uh, or whatever. Um, so I yeah, just think that with, with that, my counter argument to both of you on that, I suppose, is like you take Declan Rice and then you look up Casemiro for Brazil and Casemiro is extremely progressive with the possession of the football. Like he will look to go forward. He'll play diagonal balls in behind fullback. And you see him doing his defensive work. And it's the same for like Angolo Kante when he's fit. It's the same with Fabinho at Liverpool. Like there's no sideways, backwards, retain, retain, retain. There are, you know, line breaking passes. And it's um, it's just one of those things that I've noticed and sort of has started to be discussed by certain pundits. Like I said, Stuart Pierce was talking about it on TalkSport as someone who needs to get like he said he needs to get on the half turn he needs to pose more of a threat going the other way which i i completely agree with um so yeah i know like isn't obviously... it, i was gonna say isn't it interesting as well i don't know if you've noticed like i don't know if this could be very similar for a lot of teams but um we've actually got like five captains club captains in that mm. team 
And when you look at like the midfield, both Henderson, Rice and Bellingham are all captains, maybe Bellingham every now and then, but all, all the time. And then you've got like Kane up front and then Maguire. So I don't know, just lots of losses. And it's, um, yeah, it's just quite quite an interesting kind of thing to think about in a way. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really good point in the fact that we have so many. Um, I suppose it does make it slightly easier in terms of the responsibility that falls onto the shoulders of Harry Kane then as well, because Harry Kane's not necessarily a, a leader in the way that like Jordan Henderson's a leader, for example, or the way yeah. that Harry Maguire's a leader. So, you know, it is interesting. Um, and England's squad is very much the best it could be at the moment. I think, obviously, it's great to have options on the bench that they've got at the minute as well, because you're bringing on players like Jack Grealish, who everybody was crying out for at the Euros, but his form's been nothing um, mm. this season for club or country, really. But to have him on the bench as an option shows the depth that we've got at the minute. And and that's why it's so interesting when we go into this France game, because it is really a head-to-head shootout as to who's got the best squad and who can who can be the best on the night. Because I don't know that France play the best football under Didier Deschamps. I think that they more or less look to win the game as efficiently as they can. And, um, and England do exactly the same. So it'll be a really interesting game. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll go on to something ever so slightly different. So to run through a few of the results, obviously Netherlands beat the USA, knocked them out 3-1. Argentina through, they scraped past Australia, which was was a really thrilling game, that one. I don't know if you watched it, but it was really, really good. Australia, I think, deserve a shout-out, really, not from us, but from everyone, as one of the better surprises of this tournament, because... Whilst, obviously, Japan shocked a load of people and Morocco, who we're going to come on to, shocked a lot of people, I think with both of those teams, there is quality that you can see, whether it be in individuals or the team. Australia, I didn't give a hope in hell. Um, And to get into the round of 16 and narrowly lose to Argentina, I think they deserve a lot of credit for the way that they played. Um, Japan, who we mentioned, they were knocked out by Croatia yesterday, 3-1 on penalties in what was, again, a really good 90 minutes. Um, and then let's talk about Brazil. They absolutely hammered South Korea in the first half. They obviously took their foot off the gas. They didn't play great football in the second half just because the game was won. Um, but you both called Brazil to win it at the start of the tournament. I went a little bit different to uh, not much acclaim as of right now. Um, but yeah, Brazil, obviously looking the part. What do you think? They uh still the favourites for you. Um, see, go on, Alistair. No, you go, mate. You go. So, I'm split now, because before this tournament, I was like, "It's Brazil. How can it not be Brazil?" But last night, yes, they did look amazing. But they're essentially playing, and I don't know if it was for yesterday's tactics or what, but. They played with four forwards. They were literally like, you know, had a man against one of their, like from right back to centre back, centre back, left back. They had like four forwards playing up against them. And then there was just so much space, like that Casemiro and Paqueta had to like cover. And for me, the weakest area of that Brazil team is their fullbacks. So I don't know. I don't think there's definitely, if England or whoever, Brazil come up against if it's like a, a top tier team 
who I don't think Brazil have faced yet. I I don't know. I don't think Brazil are clear favourites to win that game. Interesting. Alistair? Um, I mean, if I'm being honest, like, optimising the situation... Um, <laughs> Optimisation of it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually don't think there's a favourite. I genuinely don't. Like, I, I know, obviously, you can look at goals scored and this and that. Um, I mean, when you look at that, like those stats, if you look at the, those stats at face value, it's like, well, actually, England have got the most scorers in their squad they've ever had in a World Cup. They scored the most goals they have, I think, ever, or maybe for a long time. Um, they've got three clean sheets. Um, they've, you know, had good performances. So, like, when you look at that, you could say, actually, England are one of the favourites. And I think they are. Um, I think it's just a split between England. France and Brazil, any three of those could win it. I just don't see a favourite personally. Um, well, I mean, I think- just to just to really quickly interject, Portugal are currently battering Swindon. F- yeah. uh, Swindon um, <laughs> currently battering Switzerland. I'm not surprised. Swindon are doing <laughs> yeah, really well to get to the World Cup. <laughs> um, sorry, no, Portugal are beating Switzerland 4 yeah. 0. Um, yeah. And there's oh, less dear. than an hour gone. I mean, yeah. do you not put Portugal into that group? I think you have to as well. Like, they're you know, again, another team with a good squad depth. And I think with all of those four teams, that's what you're looking at. That's without so, Ronaldo as well, by the way. Ronaldo's not yeah. on the pitch. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, so it, it's it, there's four teams there. Like when you look at like Argentina, I wouldn't I wouldn't put squad depth there personally. Like they've got a couple of individual goods, but I think they're um I don't think they're a great team. And I don't think it's four one now, I think. Um but uh going back to the Brazil game, um I think there was another point again, just um kind of uh carrying on from what George said. Um I think it's easy to overlook the um, Brazil overall and look at the performance as a great one when you don't bear in mind Brazil saved their team. Um, so they had a seven-day rest mm-hmm. from their last game, the first team. And um, and South Korea only had three days between their last game and Brazil. So that's a, a, you know, a, a more tired team compared to Brazil. Who were re-energized in that, and I think yeah. that probably just adds, in my opinion, adds a bit more to the. You know, they have a lot of energy. Um, they're going to be fresh, smashing it. Four attackers up front, and it's like let's just score goals. Like fine. Um, I think if Brazil come against a better team, I think they will still have goals in them, but I just think they might struggle a bit more to create. Yeah. Uh, those openings, personally. So but... it's weird. It's weird, though, isn't it? Because I was watching watching Brazil last night, and th- this is something that I noticed and wasn't necessarily mentioned by the pundits. Which I, obviously I'm not not saying that I noticed something because I'm a genius or anything like that. So I was just optimizing my watching experience, and um, I was no, it was it was a breakdown of a Brazil attack. And I was watching it as this attack broke down and South Korea played into Son's feet on the halfway line. And he turned and there were three Korea attackers going forward, but there were six players back for Brazil. So although they start with 
the four main attackers. They do, you know, they don't sort of overcommit in the wide areas with fullbacks or anything like that. They do rely on their attacking unit. So I don't know whether that's, you know, that's something to consider. But especially when you've got Casemiro in there who literally doesn't move from central holding midfield, like he doesn't go anywhere. Um, and then, like I say, they're not overcommitting from fullback. So it's um, it's potentially a really interesting tie, Brazil, Croatia, because Croatia are so, you know, solidly defensive. Uh, I think Brazil get past Croatia. And I think it's Brazil's to lose still. But, I mean, Brazil-France final, I mean, yeah, that would be something incredible, wouldn't it? Mm. Would be good. So who have you got? So if Portugal win tonight? Which they most likely so it'd be Portugal, Morocco. Yeah. Yeah. Let's quickly talk about Morocco. Um, like that's I I you know, hold my hands up. I think maybe my shout of Spain was four years too early, two years too early, even. Um, just because that team is incredible. Like, and you look at the stats from today, like they had I'm just gonna have a quick look actually to get the official percentage but they well, control the possession off the top of your head 77 percent possession spain had and that's you know that's not even the highest they've had in this tournament in a game yeah. but you know they've drawn against morocco lost against japan i think maybe like a young team has just been a bit undone naively um yeah. and you know penalties the lottery of penalties and morocco are basically the home team now in the rest of this world cup which is absolutely awesome and i you know spain went out and i wasn't disappointed i was absolutely delighted for morocco i, think I was absolutely mm. delighted um breakdown just Very that but philippa philippa said to me like is um is morocco expected to do that well and i said well not really you know they had a they had a tough group with croatia and um Belgium, um, as well as Canada, who was a really tough game. Oh, yeah. we, we talked last week about how good Canada were, and they overcame those those opponents fairly comfortably. And um, they, they're yeah, they're tough to break down, but they've got quality in certain areas. You know, Sofiane Bouffal, El Nasiri. They've got um, Hakim Ziyech, Amrabat, Saïs from Wolves. They've got Bonu in goal, who plays for Sevilla. Like they've got quality in certain areas. So. Ashraf Hakimi as well, who I didn't even mention then, plays for Paris Saint-Germain and has played, like, his career is a joke. He's played for Real Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Inter Milan and Paris Saint-Germain. And he's only, like, 24, 25. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got a quality team. But, yeah, a big shout-out for Morocco. They are superb. And then, yeah, Portugal are absolutely smashing Switzerland. So in terms of what we get next then, so it's Morocco, Portugal, uh, Argentina versus, sorry, Croatia, Brazil, Argentina, Argentina play. Holland. Holland, thank you. I'm trying not to look because Alistair's so nitpicky in his hard nut jacket. And, uh, yeah. and England, and England, France. Um so we're going to say, realistically, who do you think then? Argentina or Holland in that one? That's a tough one to call. Yeah, I think Holland. That is a tough one. I think Argentina. Um, really? Just, it seems like Messi's got goals in him at the moment. So I just see that in Alvarez. But um, I Alvarez has been excellent. Alvarez has been absolutely yeah, super. 100% agree. Like, that is a tough one. I think that's probably, that's probably the... I don't know. They're all going to be tough to call, but I think that's definitely a tough one to call. Um, well, I think that what 
I think the, the other, you know, the other, like, so we've obviously talked about England, France extensively. I think that Brazil were favourites against Croatia, and I think that yeah. Portugal will be clear favourites against Morocco. But that one, Holland, Argentina, that is so tough to call because yeah. neither yeah. of them, although, like you say, Holland have looked pretty good in the USA game, and then um, Argentina picked up after losing to the Saudis, but neither of them have looked that convincing. Um, and to be playing one another is quite funny because it's the two big teams that haven't been very convincing meeting each other in the quarterfinal. I'm going to say Holland as my as my pick, which is interesting because I thought that you might go the same, Alistair, because they're much more defensively pragmatic um, and they've got some flair going forward, but they are happy to just sort of control a game and take a chance as and when it comes along. But... George, can you split us? Is it Holland, Argentina, or are you going to say draw, draw, and draw? <laughs> draw. Uh, I'm going to go Holland, I think, out of the two, listening to both arguments there. Uh, I Shock, think the Liverpool me, the Liverpool fans picked the team with Van Dijk in it. <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> no, um, I think... I always find it interesting when England... If England qualify from a, a group stage... To look at the other team that qualified as well to see how they match up against another team from another another group, and obviously Netherlands beat USA. Uh, I didn't see the game, but the highlights looked quite, you know, they looked like they can beat them quite convincingly. So I would say that Holland are have got a stronger team than Argentina, and I think as Toby mentioned there, I think they got a bit of flair up top. Obviously, Argentina have Messi. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to go for Holland. Yeah, I think I, I'm purely basing that on the defences. I, I, I think that with Messi and Alvarez against the likes of, like, because Cody Gakpo has come into this tournament in incredible form. Memphis Depay looked pretty good against the USA. They've then got players like Frankie de Jong as well who can take them forward. But defensively, like, the combinations of, like, Van Dijk, De Ligt, Timber... And then they've got Daly Blint and Denzel Dumfries. Like, it's an incredible back line that they've got. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. It purely depends for me, Argentina, on, on how Messi turns up. Like, if he turns up and he's like, right, let's fucking go. Like he did against yeah. Australia, then yeah. you, you, you honestly, it's a straight shoot between whether the rest of the team can keep Holland out. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's such a, and I think it's fair to say this has been a really good World Cup. Like even the yeah. the nil nils have been pretty entertaining. Um, obviously the Spain Morocco one, I didn't see it earlier. I only saw the penalties, but um, yeah, it's, it's been an absolutely incredible World Cup. And obviously we will never go through this. And we've obviously mentioned it in the first one, ignoring the issues that are surrounding this World Cup. But as a World Cup itself, the football that's been played has been absolutely superb. Um, but this has been the flatback three. I've been Toby Wellington. He's been George Turner. And he has been Alistair Hardnut-Blackwell. We thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, um, wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for listening. And we will see you soon. <laughs>